The Longbox Crusade presents Fan Bill Fridays. say it darn it john yes you will you can't make me apologize for rushing back down here you know how much i love pac-man i keep telling you john is within his longbox crusade boundaries delvin says backstage passes apply to all lbc podcasters except for certain people besides jared took both pac-man and ms pac-man upstairs after that previous incident 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 a ghost ate me and worst of all, you took my turn playing the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, uh, the recording light is on. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Fan Film Friday. I am your host, Clinton Robinson, down here in the LBC basement. As you can tell, I am not alone. With me currently are John and Maggie from the rebranded Married Watching Cartoons podcast. Maggie and John are... Uh, Keeping me company. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, something like that. Don't get started again, John. Hey, uh, since you guys have uh, switched over to the cartoon motif on your podcast, how about a live-action fan film of a cartoon? Do either one of you know anything about Jim and the Holograms? Oh, hell yeah, Jim. <laughs> we love Jim. Yeah, I love Jim. I, there's plenty of Jim I've not seen, which, in in my opinion, is a good thing, because that means that there's more episodes of Jim I get to watch for the first time. And that's the best thing. Yeah. Because that show is insane. I love Jim. It's part of the um, the Sunbow Universe tri- Hasbro Universe trilogy of of uh, Transformers, GI Joe, and Jim. Uh, they were when I never got to watch any of those regularly because I didn't have cable. But when one place where I did, I think they had an old style satellite dish, and you could see it sometimes on Saturdays. And they had it in this like Hasbro Hasbro bro, well, excuse me Hasbro block, so it would be GI Joe, Gem, then Transformers, and so you'd watch all of them. And I I loved uh, Gem as much as the other ones. They're just great. The stories are fun. And my cousin played with some of the toys and had some of them. She had the the one that was a speaker that became her like playset, and it actually you could plug your your uh, Walkman into it, and it would play an actual speaker. Yeah. It was the coolest toy that she had, and it was awesome. John showed me the commercial, and I was like, well, that's way cooler than Polly Pocket ever was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a show that I wish I had gotten to grow up watching. I, I think young me would have really liked it, but it was it was gone by the time I was born, and even more gone by the time I was old enough to watch cartoons. Yeah, it was, it was a flash in the pan. It was very popular for like three years, and then 
went away. Mm-hmm. And- it's too bad because now I I feel like in the era of you know revitalizing '80s cartoons, well, primarily He Man and She-Ra. We've got those two at least, but mm-hmm. um, I think Jeb would be ripe for picking back up again. You can I- definitely. You wouldn't even have to change their looks. No. And in fact, if they were to bring it back, I sincerely hope they wouldn't because they're fantastic. The <laughs> biggest hair and the brightest makeup. Well, you it know, would be fun. Uh, in recent years, there was the Gem comic. Yeah, the IDW uh, did some Gem comics. I, re- I read all of them, and they're really, really great. Like most IDW, it is a reimagining, more mm-hmm. modern take. But it is definitely not the live-action movie that never really happened. <sighs> that was very disappointing. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, we're sitting here, uh, you know, waxing on about Jim. We haven't actually discussed the premise of Jim for those who don't know. So, John, would you like to enlighten listeners about what Jim really was? All right. Well, this series is it mostly revolves around Jerrica Benton, who is the main character. She owns and manages Starlight Music. And she has an alter ego named Jem, who is a rock star who sings with a group called the Holograms. And the Holograms are all other orphans who grew up with her. And she uses um, star the money she makes from Starlight Music Productions in order to fund this uh, orphanage, basically. She that they all live in. And it, despite the fact that in this universe, Jem and the Holograms are the most popular music or band of all time. They are constantly struggling for money for this thing, and so therefore have to put on a lot of shows. But that's okay because they could do this well. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's like rock, rock and roll is the cause of and solution of all of their problems in this. But the main gimmick of it is the fact that <clears throat> Gems are Jerrica's and Kimber, her sister, who are two of them, and then there's. The other ones, there's uh, what's Aja and Shana, and they uh, their father died in a plane crash or killed by Cobra. I can't remember which now, uh, but he left to her like a, his secret device that he'd been devoting all his time to, which was a super holographic computer, which Gem, of course, which can simulate people down to just extremely lifelike le- levels, which she, of course, uses to make herself look like um, some sort of Cindy Lauper Madonna like crossover and does glam rock stuff and barely keeps her orphanage afloat. Um, they are opposed by another group called the Misfits, whose shtick is their songs are better. And they are always fighting over things. And But usually there's a rock show or benefit concert at the end in which um, Gem and the Holograms do better and they live happily ever after until they need money later. Alrighty, that pretty well sums it up. Unless you want to get into season three where we add new characters, because, you know, what picks up a show more than new characters? Don't know enough about that. You'll have to bring somebody on who's actually watched more than a handful of episodes of season three. <laughs> uh, well, in season three, the holograms get a new band member in the form of uh, Rhea, who is going to be their drummer. And there is a new competing band known as the Stingers which provides a bit of a love triangle again because, you know, Jerrica slash Jim are both dating um, Rio, and then they also have the love interest from Riot from the Stingers. So, yeah, it very much becomes um, borderline soap opera in season three. Oh, so Riot was from the Stingers. 
I knew that I knew Riot was a was a character from the cartoon, but I had forgotten who he was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Riot's great. With the Fabioist hair to ever Fabio. Yeah, but it's too bad they couldn't have got an actor with the um, Fabioist chest that ever <laughs> chested because man. Well, that doesn't exist. Uh, so. It well, does you, in the form of, of this dude in this cartoon. If you, yeah, I'm like, if you watch the cartoon, by golly, he he's about as He-Man as you can get in a gym cartoon. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I forgot to mention Eric Raymond is oh, yes. like he's the the sleazy like record producer who's constantly trying to um to get Starlight Industries um under he's really obsessed with it and he's he's got about the competence and skill level of a Captain Planet villain. Yeah. But he would have gotten away with it if it hadn't been for those meddling musicians. How did I know they were gonna throw a benefit concert? <laughs> All right, folks, so today's fan film is Truly Outrageous, a gem fan film. It was put up on Kickstarter and earned a whopping $13,286. Yes, they were very specific about that, of their $12,000 goal. This was posted up in May of 2018, and at the time that I came up with this idea, it had 62,000 views. So it may have a little bit more now. I honestly haven't checked in the last little bit. Hey, Clinton breaking in real fast. Uh, Yeah, it has significantly more views. It's up to over 71,000 now. So I would say almost a 10K jump is pretty significant. All right, back to the show. Cast and crew include writer and director Charlie Feldman, director of photography Auden Bui. I'm sorry, I completely butcher every one of these names every episode. I don't know why people let me read them. Editor was Cafe Noir, Meryl Coker, and Charlie Feldman. And visual effects by Cafe Noir. This film stars, and by golly, this is going to be an interesting list. Natalie Casanova as Rhea. Chloe Dykstra, a name that some people might recognize right off as Jerrica slash Jim, with April Effie as Jim's singing voice, Megan Rosati as Kimber, Yasmin Money Watkins as Shayna, Krissa Sparkles as Aja, John Phillips as Eric Raymond, Claire Lords as Pizzazz, Anna Lore as Stormer, Pia Shaw as Jetta, April Effie as Roxy, Leo Camacho as Rio, Jeff Torres as Riot, Maud Garrett as Synergy, and a huge amount of others as basically every named character that ever appeared in the animated series. Bless them for being so dang thorough. It was put up on YouTube by Chickbait Studios with the teaser blurb of, and I quote, Some glamour, glitter, fashion, and fame. But now there's more to the story. In an alternate live-action universe set right before the final episode, Jim and the holograms face both old and new, sorry, face enemies both old and new, as they uncover secrets from their past and what that may mean for their future. Jim, Kimber, Asha, Shayna, and Rhea will discover what makes a person truly outrageous. All right, folks, this is the part where we ask you lovely listeners to pause the podcast, look at the show notes for the link, and check out this film. 
with a runtime of 29 minutes, you may want to set aside a small bit of your day to watch this and then come back. But all we all three will highly encourage it, I'm sure. Not only is it more fun when everybody's on the same page, but we're going to spoil the heck out of this way more than we may have even teased already. But trust me, it is worth it because you will be in on our discussions. So take a break, watch the film, and we'll be right back to discuss Truly Outrageous. Well, there was a way to just sort of tie you guys together whenever I needed you. We've been rotten in here because of you! What kind of friend does that make us if we stop you from your dreams? Just like a robot. I think it's time we get started. Getting down to business. One, two, three, We should have told you. When Jackie was sick, Emmett was working on his greatest invention yet. Everybody watch the film and ready to get into the discussion? Good, because I am going to talk a lot. The film starts off with Jim and the Holograms recording a new video before getting surprised by a reporter reminding Kimber, and by extension Jerrica slash Jim, that it is the third anniversary of her father's death. What a classy thing to do. Kimber gets upset and rushes off, leaving Jim to respond to the reporter before the rest of the band goes to look for Kimber. Cut to Eric Raymond, potential music mogul and evil rival of the Starlight Records crew, forging a partnership with Kevin, a typical American and totally not a Soviet agent or anything like that. Right? Right? Kevin has brought Eric new information about Emmett Benton, his family, and Jim's earrings. Eric grabs his best, and probably only, band to help the misfit. I mean, who else better to take down the holograms and their biggest, and probably only, rivals? Back at the first studio, Jim transforms back into Jerrica, and she and the rest of the holograms find Kimber moping in the women's restroom. In what turns into a touching and humorous moment, we learn that Kimber takes their father's death harder than Jerrica does. But after an animated flashback to Shayna's seamstress days, see episodes of the cartoon, the group of friends slash sisters vow to get through all of this by supporting each other. In another callback to the cartoon, we see that the Starlight Girls, orphans in the care of Jerrica Benton's Starlight House, are having a problem. Ashley, the prankster of the bunch, has convinced Bonnie to glue what looks like cotton candy to her face, like in basically in the shape of a beard. Bonnie's dad had a beard, supposedly. So maybe he'll recognize her, and... Okay, side note. I always got tired of Bonnie's one night, or one note, sorry. God, I can't even read my own typing here. Bonnie's one note story on the cartoon. Anyway... We learn a lesson about supporting your friends and family, and it plays out like you'd expect. But it's with another Jim moment. You know, they get to sing a song. Moving on. We get a brief moment with Rio, the holograms roadie and the love interest for both Jerrica and Jim, who is completely clueless to the dual identity and more or less two times both identities in the cartoon. And moving on. In the dressing room, Jim and Kimber apologize, but the misfits jump the holograms, and a mid-80s cartoon-style fight breaks out. During the scuffle, Kimber gets kidnapped by Eric Raymond and Kevin, stuffing her into a completely unsuspicious van. 
listed as Normal Van Company, not doing anything suspicious since 1974. I kind of want to work for them. Eric and Kevin have taken Kemper to what appears to be some kind of warehouse. Meanwhile, the Misfits and the Holograms argue about trying to get Kemper back. When fellow rock star Riot shows up, the two female bands agree to work together. With the help of a tracker tech rat installed in Eric Raymond's neck years ago, somehow, they easily manage to find where Kimber is being held. Back where they are holding Kimber, Kevin reveals he knows all about Synergy and the hologram technology that Benton family has developed. But he's not alone. The reporter from earlier stands revealed as the true mastermind behind the entire ordeal, as she is none other than the Baroness, agent of Cobra. Yes, that Cobra. She hints that Cobra may have been behind the plane crash that killed Emmett Benton, and she wants access to the technology Emmett developed. As she whispers something in Kimber's ear, the holograms and the misfits arrive. Most of the misfits try to back out, but Stormer gives a passionate speech about how the band treats her, and basically she convinces them to help out prompting a meta-joke about gym songs. In a combined effort, the band rescue Kimber, and they still allow the Baroness to escape because 80s cartoons. Following the ordeal, Synergy informs us what the Baroness knew, that Kimber is actually a form of living, growing artificial intelligence. Aja knew for about two decades and never told anybody. Go figure that. The rest of the holograms were, of course, clueless. They all reaffirm Kimber that she is alive, and they love her, and everything is tied up in a nice, neat little bow, again, because 80s cartoons. Outside, we see the rest of the misfits comforting Stormer, who is totally in love with Kimber, by the way. They get approached by Eric Raymond, who has information suggesting Emmett Benton may be alive. In a post credit sequence, a stinger, if you will, we see that the Baroness has slipped her business card into Kimber's jacket pocket. And that essentially is truly outrageous. I know I've left stuff out, but I have clearly been talking for way longer than normal at this point. So while I get a drink, John and Maggie, what are your thoughts? My first thought is that I really wish that they would make a second episode. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see where this is going. I want to know what happens with the Baroness. I want to know if Kimber goes and talks to her and like calls the number on that card. I want to know all the secrets. The first time I watched this, I was I had it on in the background when I was doing some other stuff. And so I like looked down and, and then looked up again and I'm like, wait, and the Baroness is here and Kimber's a robot. What's happening? So I went back and watched it again. This <laughs> this was way better than it had any right to be. It was way, it was way better than the movie, the actual official movie was. It seemed to be directly um, marketed towards people who wanted that movie to be good and were disappointed that it wasn't. Yeah, and that's kind of where this whole thing spun out of. You know, they've even pretty much just come right out and said they were so disappointed with how the Jim movie even looked, just based on trailers, that they were like, "Screw this, we're going to make a fun movie." Hmm. I can respect that. I appreciate that. I mean, I've not seen the gem movie and I don't plan to, but I found every minute of this to be very enjoyable. I thought that the specifically the costumes, hair, makeup, accessories were spot on perfect and looked like it would have been, you know how sometimes like when you watch a movie and you think, wow, it must have really been fun to be a part of that mm -hmm. group, like to wear those costumes and to get to be those characters. 
I kind of got that vibe from this. Like, it looks like it was a lot of fun to make. Yeah. And that they enjoyed making it. And they really seem like they were in the know. I am not as steeped into deep gem lore as the people that made this movie are. But the bits of it that I do know, like, I know that Kimber and Stormer have been shipped by people since shipping was a term. There's a couple of episodes in that I that I have seen where the two of their um, they do develop a close friendship and I think they spin off and do their own song at, at one point point. Mm-hmm. and so that's always been a thing and that's always stuck with when I, I've never been um, a fanfic writer or even part of any fanfic community but I've been fanfic adjacent so I know about which characters are shipped by people for some reason. <laughs> And I know Stormer and Kimber have been very strongly that for a long time. Yeah, I say kudos to them for actually doing the on-screen kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was cool. And Yeah, I especially like that better than, you know, having Rio be in it for any amount of time whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Well, part Rio's of the uh, Stormer and Kimber thing comes from Stormer's uh, original voice actress, Sue Blue, who uh, you two might know more from Transformers as R.C., Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, Sue Blue is a very out and proud lesbian. Cool. So, uh, you know, making Stormer also LGBT is a pretty good homage, you know. As yeah. is RC in most of the current IDW mm-hmm. ones. That's cool. I like inclusivity. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Representation matters. Okay, so did the name Chloe Dykstra ring any bells for either one of you? I feel like it should have. She's a cosplayer, isn't she? She is a cosplayer. She was on uh, Sci-Fi's Heroes of Cosplay series about a, gosh, roughly a decade ago, it seems like. But uh, she also has another claim to fame other than that and her YouTube and all that. Chloe Dykstra's dad helped design the Death Star. Oh, Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, and she will definitely tell you that pretty much any time you have her on camera at least from what i have seen because <laughs> just about every interview i've ever seen is she's like hi i'm chloe dystra my dad did the special effects for star wars but little did he know his greatest creation would be would grow up to play <laughs> my favorite character on the in the gem universe yeah well that's cool that's i did very neat. not know that if my dad helped to do, like do anything with star wars I would tell everybody anytime I was <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't blame her or behind one. I'd be taking a photo, like, you know, for vacationers or out-of-towners, and just, like, snap the photo my dad helped develop, like, yeah. <laughs> work be, on the Death Star. You'd be waking thinking. me up every few hours. Yeah. Did you know my dad helped me? <laughs> I just think it's cool. I think that's yeah. very cool. I mean, I, I would be all for it. Like, don't get me wrong, <laughs> you know. Any other time, I would, would probably be like, uh, yeah, you know, we, we've heard the story. But this time, I would just be like, Tell me how he built the Y-Wings. <laughs> yeah. Like, whose idea was that? What noises did they use to make the TIE Fighters? Mm. You can actually find that out, I think, if you watch the documentary, because the bit about the sound engineering is really interesting. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, going back to Stormer, uh, actress Anna Lore, she um, moved on from this to play Penny Farthing on Doom Patrol. Ah, yes, she did. I found that out today. I haven't actually watched Doom Patrol yet, but I saw that on her IMDb page. I think I've seen the first episode of it. And it it's not that I didn't want to. It's just that DC made it really hard to watch it. Mm. And so I it, I couldn't really watch more of it than 
uh, one because I had to. I wanted to try to watch Teen Titans and Swamp Thing, and right. but everything I've heard says it's a good show. Oh yeah, but you know, if, if people were just curious, yeah, some of these people have gone on to do you know bigger and definitely more recent things. So, how do you feel about them incorporating all of the uh, shared universe stuff? But you mean like? Well, the, the Joes were cool. The Joe yeah. stuff was cool. And did they make Kim Kimber into a robot just to make it more transformery, or is that from something? Uh, I'm not sure. I I want to say like there were fan theories and stuff out there, but that may have just been like completely for them, you know, just for this. They did say that uh, there was a uh, a post credit scene that they in, you know had intended to put in, and they just kind of ran out of time and money. Mostly money, but uh, the original post-credits scene involved uh, one of Riot's bandmates and a certain car transforming. Oh. Which car would it have been? Tracks. Tracks would uh, hang out with Riot. It would have been Bumblebee, <laughs> right? I, I want to say that huh, now. You know, don't quote me. It's been a while since I've watched any of the behind-the-scenes and all that. But I want to say that huh, they were going to have uh, like Sunstreaker. Okay, I guess he needs you know, something. You know, something hot rod but not hot rod. You know, hot you know, rod would have been great. But, you know, even hot. if they didn't have the budget for that, I'm still impressed with what they did with the budget that they did have. Because the, the little, the visual effects, like any time a new character showed up and the animated sequences were all really cool. Mm-hmm. I, they, they did a lot with the money that they got out of that Kickstarter. I was impressed with the with the little cartoony stuff that they would put in, not just the animated sequence, which was neat mm-hmm. that they put it in, but the bit where they all show up in the bathroom and they um, enter <laughs> from different sides, like mm-hmm. cartoon characters and uh-huh. cartoon sound effects happen. Yes. It was, it, I was really smiling ear to ear by about this point. It was. I liked when Pizzazz slaps Eric when they're in prison, and you there's a little there's a little slap, slap. that goes across the screen when she hits him. Oh mm-hmm. man. I got things to say about pizzazz, but I don't want to wait for that. <laughs> well, while we're talking about pizzazz, just overall, how effing great are the misfits? Oh, they are so good. Wonderful. They were absolutely delightful. Seriously, pizzazz as a character is one of the great cartoon villains. She is up there with Megatron and uh, Cobra Commander because she's exactly the same way. She is always dialed up to 11 and she is just completely driven to her goal, which is the destruction of the good guys. Yeah, Yeah, and they never never hide it. She never once tries to deny what she is. No, and I love it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. She fully embraces that about herself, and yeah, I, I like that a lot about her too. Uh, what about the songs? I, I mean, I know you two aren't like really huge on Jim, but all the songs in here are completely original for mm-hmm. this fan film. Hence the the joke about why they can't sing the one song from the show because then we don't have the copyright. You know, I got th- I thought the opening song was very good, and then. The Misfit song. Misfit song was better. Was better. <laughs> yep, I love that. The the sisters are your friends song was was the most gem song. That is gem. Yes, that was, was right so out of a cartoon for or could have been right out of a cartoon, mm-hmm. no doubt. No, I I like them. They really did a good job of writing songs of about the quality and scope of what the songs usually are mm-hmm. on that show. Yeah, absolutely. Great. I really did enjoy this. This was so good. It, it was so much of a love letter to that show. So if mm-hmm. anybody was even 
just a casual fan, they got a lot of the references. And I mean, it, it's no secret my wife is a huge hardcore gym fan. That was mm-hmm. her show, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as like Transformers and Masters of the Universe were my childhood, Jim was hers. So, well, it was such a it was a really solidly good show. It was to the quality of the ones that you talked. Just these lovely bit. The only thing they couldn't really get in the in the show that was for budgeting, there was always a car chase mm-hmm. in the cartoon. Like even there does seem there does seem to be an inordinate amount like, well, of car chase. I'm gonna go across the street and get some uh, milk from the oh no car chase, yeah. and then the misfits would show up and sing some video. Uh-huh. And yeah, there were car chases, kidnappings were very common. <laughs> Not it's even like a kidding. dangerous world to live in. It well, is. And yeah, but I mean the stakes were. Always the same thing. The you you were saying it before, like you were equating it to Karate Kid. Yeah, that the <laughs> because <laughs> where the, Karate we, solves we talking, everything. <laughs> well, right. It, it's kind of like when we were talking before about the shared universes with GI Joe and Transformers. I also kind of like to think that Gem is in the same universe as the Karate Kid because Battle of the Bands and other benefit concerts are like the most important thing happening in all of society. And much like the All Valley Under 18 Karate Tournament in the Karate Kid universe is the most important thing ever. All things stop and pivot on it. And then and the results of it determine whether or not the bad guys have to go. Yeah, that's one on you. I guess we got beat fair and square. Got to go off and <laughs> hatch another scheme now. You know. Oh, my. OK, what we didn't note earlier is that Jim was uh, created by writer Christy Marks and Christy Marks pretty much like most cartoon writers in the 80s, worked on just about every franchise that was out there because, you know, everybody wanted to actually keep paying bills once they finished writing episodes. Which, of course, you know, leads to the further incorporation of the shared universe because Christy Marks wrote episodes of G.I. Joe and Transformers as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Captain Power. We do not smart like Captain teenage- Power. He's a soldier teenage- of the future, darn it. Oh, right. Captain Power, Soldier of the Future. <laughs> she wrote some Ninja Turtles one, too, right? Mm-hmm. She, yeah, she wrote it for a bunch of cartoons. Oh, yeah. yeah it's like, if, if, like I said, if there was a cartoon out there, it, there's a good chance that you're going to come across her name, Paul Dini, uh, Michael Reeves. And uh, JMS. Yeah, JMS. Um, and Michael Straczynski. Yeah. Oh. A couple others that I'm blanking on at the moment. I know Paul Dini. He does all the Batman animated mm-hmm. stuff. Paul Dini made my, my favorite Batman animated series, which was the first one. Mm-hmm. Really? The one in the <laughs> 70s? Was there an animated series in the 70s? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Based no, on, we uh, all know which one you're talking Adam about. Casey it's like the Star Trek animated cartoon. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I do mean the one from the 90s. Yeah, we, we all know which one. <laughs> Holy reminder of nostalgia, Batman. Batman's been around now, for a real long time. stay tuned for today's hits and tomorrow's favorites. Yes, I said what I said. I'm old. I'm dead now. Casey Kaysen. Oh, do we really feel like Cobra and G.I. Joe are necessary or are they just in there because, hey, this sounds like a fun idea? Yeah, I, I think it's, hey, this sounds like a fun idea. <laughs> yeah, because they'd kind of written themselves into a corner there. They had this whole thing where the commies were going to steal the holograms and realize halfway hologram and realize halfway through they were out of money. So they had to bring in. 
in true canon so, film style, we Joe, ran out of money. It was money. a great way to make the audience go, hey, the Baroness is here! Because they didn't even have a like last stage battle of the bands in this case, even though we've joked over and over again about how that's the way that things are solved. But in this case, it was, what's his name? Apparently, he's a secret member of the G.I. Joe's, and that's canon. What's the Fabio guy's name again? Riot. Riot. Riot needs a G.I. Joe figure now. I was I was pleasantly surprised at the overall quality of the acting of yeah, of all these people. Me too. And 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 well directed. The the deliver their delivery of lines were very good. A lot of other you know wa- I've watched a lot of fan films you know while during listening to Clinton's show, and you know most of them are just people making mm-hmm. films, and they right. don't have any level of professional or even stage performance level of given. No, hit this hit this word uh but they did a good job but she's great i mean she did the the uh reporter thing which mm. is great because the baroness was constantly described with disguising herself as somebody normal mm. and they never saw through it even though it was she always would name herself you know something like fang or mm. something okay. right she this was ominous name yeah she was played by allison scagliotti who apparently was a uh, nickelodeon staple okay she uh, played, according to this little wiki, she played redeemed villainous Mindy Crenshaw on Drake and Josh and the greedy Stacy on Zoe 101. So, wow. I thought Drake and Josh was Disney. Is that was Nickelodeon? That Disney? Was that Disney? I think, okay. I, think that's, I think that's Disney Channel. Okay. Don't quote me, but I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that's what that is. But that name sounded from Maybe I know somebody else. Who has a similar sounding well, name, but that's that's still cool because she she did a really good job. She's super leaned into being a villain, and I think I think playing a villain must be very fun indeed. I, I think I think it's got to be. It, it's kind of like why people want to play games like Grand Theft Auto. It's, it's fun sometimes to be the bad guy. Everybody wants to be Iago, you know. Not from the, <laughs> not the parrot, not the, the parrot, the one that screws I'm over. I'm aware Othello. that it's not the parrot. <laughs> thank you. Uh oh wow okay um. Sorry, I'm looking up her IMDb now. She was apparently also on The Vampire Diaries, uh, Warehouse 13. Oh, I like Warehouse okay. 13. That's uh, where I know that name. She was on an episode of Smallville, uh, CSI, One Tree Hill, if anybody just... remembers that. <laughs> huh. Wow, yeah. Cool. See, we got some talent in this fan film, folks. There is. There really is. They did a very good job with this. I seriously, and I meant it. I would watch more of those. I want to know what happens next. Sadly, there are not more than one. Nope, there's not more than one, and there apparently probably never will be, just based oh. on you know. Well, I never say never. You know, mm-hmm. stranger things have popped up. But That's true. Twenty twenty one is Gem's fortieth anniversary. Is it thirty five? Thirty fifth anniversary. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll do something either this year or five years from now. That would be really nice. But even if not, this is this is a wonderful testament to the actual cartoon. As they said, it's set like right before the final episode, so you could technically put it in there. It it won't answer anything more about Kimber being a robot or potentially joining Cobra. But it it's it's a fun fan theory. Definitely a fun fan film. Kimber was always up to something. Well, it, they never really specify Kimber's age, but you kind of get the the impression she's really supposed to be the moody young teenager, and Jerrica's supposed to like 
probably be 21. Yeah, so I always wondered with that. I, I think they're in like in that potential 16 to 20 area that seems like grown-ups to the 10-year-olds that are watching the show. Right. Basically, Jerrica has to be a legal adult. So she's at least 18. Mm-hmm. And yeah, hence why she can run the company. And yeah. run it she does, much better than that other slimy guy. Does she have a business degree? Does she know what she's doing? Is that she why they're always looking she for money? She doesn't need that. You don't understand how much holograms captivated us back in the 80s. If you holograms. had control of, yeah, and even holograms for a season before we got it together how to pronounce that. Before that, if you had enough holograms, you could do whatever the hell you wanted. Besides, this was... 80s cartoon slash movie logic. It didn't matter if she knew what she was doing. She would figure it out by the end of the story. Through the pro- through the power of friendship slash sisterhood. And there would be a song about it. Yes. After all, if there's there are moments when like literal buildings get destroyed and things just get fixed up because of a montage. Mm-hmm. Because it's the 80s. You gotta have a montage. Oh, there's nothing like a good 80s montage. All righty, so I think we've pretty well said our piece. Is there anything else you want to add real quick on Truly Outrageous? Uh, the only other thing that I wanted to mention. Oh, and please. I don't know if this... Huh? I said, oh, please. Oh, it, I don't know if this really adds to the conversation at all or not. But when it's revealed that Kimber is a is a robot, and it, my first thought went to my very recent binging of the original Twilight Zone series, uh, there is an episode in season two called The Lateness of the Hour in which a man builds a perfect robot girl to be like the doting daughter, basically, for him and his wife. And she doesn't know, and then she realizes that she is not a real person, and it's a very good, creepy episode. Unlike that one, she does not just think it's all okay by the end. Well, she didn't in the episode of Twilight Zone either. No, that's what I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Well... Did Kimber really just kind of like come to terms with the fact that she wasn't like a real person she, within she the thirty it's, seconds I mean, that that took? Post credit scene aside, it just seems they they fixed it all up. That's how they all did it. Yes, you, you had to be able to watch right, these in any order. Sure, that's yes. yeah. I mean that that's really it. It's it's kind of not like, traumatized at all. Huh? Yeah, they all come come and show support, and she's like, oh, I was a real girl all along. I was a real girl all along. Aw. The real friends we've met along the way were the friends we met along the way. <laughs> or the friends we met at the orphanage. <laughs> I tell you, Jen makes being an orphan being an orphan look pretty darn cool. The eighties were all about that. You we get to live Annie. in a mansion. Which yeah, you get Annie. to be friends with superstars. Punky Brewster. Which really makes Bonnie's story all the more odd. Because she's always wanting to meet her father. Bonnie was like a one-night stand in Vietnam. Mm. Her dad was a GI and just left her mom pregnant. Mm. You know, it was basically that scene from Watchmen without the comedian shooting the girl dead. Right. Which I've got to say, good call on Jem for not going that far. That would have been completely tonally inappropriate. <laughs> Well, yes. That's a sad story, though. That's the it really is. And it That's com- really sad. And it comes up in several episodes. Because, <laughs> like I said, like it is does. Bonnie's one character trait. Which is unfortunate. It's never good when the character has one thing. 
And it's just this continuously well, unresolved issue. Oddly, the one thing that a lot of t- happened a lot of times was being Asian. Yeah, was their one thing right. that the character had. In Bonnie's case, it was these at least a progression to being Vietnamese. Which you know, right. I, I'm not even you know throwing shade on that. It's it's how tokenism becomes representation, you know, incrementally. So it, it it can wind up depending on what step you're at, and it and it is of course not a a hill that is climbed all the way. There's been a lot of slight backsliding that goes on constantly, but and it can be very uncomfortable to watch it depending on what stage of the hill you're on. I suppose we should just be thankful that as an Asian character, she wasn't also secretly a ninja or really good at math. These are stereotypes. Yes. Yes. Okie dokie. So. That is our discussion on Truly Outrageous, folks. Overall, I'd say still go watch it, even with our nitpicks. What oh, yeah. We had. Mostly our nitpicks were on. There's a lot of really neat little jokes, and the songs are great. Mostly our nitpicks seem to be on the actual gym, not, not, not <laughs> the <laughs> fan yeah, film. Not really this. <laughs> you know, how dare we look at something 40 years ago through modern. Yes, exactly. But yes, folks, check out Truly Outrageous. I promise you'll have a fun time. No, I'm not going to throw in the obvious joke because it's the actual title. It'll be terrible. To, truly outrageous is really outrageous. But Jim is her name, and no one else is the same. Her songs are better. Her name is Jim Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So since we uh, got that out of the way, John, Maggie, uh, we're going to let bygones be bygones about the whole Pac-Man thing, and you're going to totally like get me out of this basement, right? Oh. No. Yeah. Oh. Not even going to pretend. Huh? He got, I got eaten by a ghost. That's a list of things. I know we have the whole agreement that anytime a good friend of ours, especially when they're a member of our D&D group, is trapped unlawfully by a bunch of other people, we help them. But not if because of them I've been eaten by a ghost. It's right there. Well, you know, I, if if there's one thing I've learned about D&D, it's that D&D characters are very good at opening doors. That's and it true. doesn't take them hours at all. No, no, especially not Clinton's character. No. So you should be fine. You'll be fine. Well, okay. Good to know. And if nothing else, I mean, I, I guess I can always just, you know, enlist the aid of a hologram with these little earrings here, you know. <laughs> Those lobe knockers. <laughs> That's what Pizzazz calls Jem's earrings in the in the movie, in the show, is lobe knockers. And I thought that was the funniest thing I've ever heard. Oh, my goodness. Besides, <laughs> my fingers can... Oh, can shred more than guitars? Very saucy. Okay. Ooh, a little bit Go of watch spice the show. in this, Jem. Anyway, catch yeah. us on Twitter. Bye. Bye, Clinton. Thanks for having us on. We'll have fun in the basement. And there we go, folks. I got uh, left here because of D&D rules, apparently, on a fan film podcast about Jim, where we spend part of it talking about Pac-Man. Yeah, so, you know, find John and Maggie on Twitter. John's at, uh, whatever it's called, MWC. I'm at MWC underscore podcast. Yeah, I'm pretty sure John is a ghost after getting eaten by the ghost. Anyway, yeah, you find John there, and Maggie's at Maggie in the Rain with uh, no I for N. And I'll sit here and keep rolling dice until I can unlock a lock, which, you know, obviously won't be hard. And, uh, if I'm still here after this little promo, I'll do some listener feedback. Joe will be right back after these messages. You are receiving a transmission from The Rod Pod. Upload pending. 
Stand by for soundtrack transfer. I am Maggie. And I am John. And we are trapped, hurtling through space in a ship shaped like Rodimus's head. The ship, for reasons we haven't been able to determine, contains the entire run of the IDW Transformers Phase 2 comic. <laughs> which chronicle the events following the end of the war between the Autobots and Decepticons. So we figure we may as well read them all in order and report our findings to you. Stand by. Stand by. Upload complete now. Rod Pod. Look for us at marriedwcomics.libsyn.com, at iTunes, at Stitcher, or wherever good podcasts can be found. So, uh, till all are one. Till all are one. Hey everybody, thanks for sticking with me. This is, of course, the feedback portion. But before I even get into all the other wonderful feedback stuff, I gotta let everybody know there were some things that uh, I answered John and Maggie that apparently I had kind of wrong because um, there is a Q&A with the director, uh, Charlie Feldman. So if... Um, you know, if anybody wants to actually look in the show notes and see that other link that's not the fan film, click that. You'll get some great answers about the fan film that I totally missed, and it's wonderful. Trust me, she's smart. I'm not. Anyway, we're going to move on to thanking everybody who liked, shared, retweeted all of that, the last episode, which, as a reminder, was Star Trek versus Batman. So, everybody who shared that last episode included Gene Hendricks, Pat Sampson, Derek William Crabb, Unlocking the Power of Power Pack, The Hammer Strikes, Laurel at Mountain Flower One, The Fan Holes Podcast, Tim Price, Spooky Waffles, Saul Lehman, Comic Reflections, Al Sedano, Warlock Thanos Podcast, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Rick Heineken, Dear Watchers, a What If podcast, Alan Middleton, Chris at BTO and Bat Books, Kathy Bright, Max Traver, Max Reads Comics, Weird Warriors Podcast, and Ryan Sawyer. If I missed anybody or got your name wrong, do please let me know and I will correct it next episode. So we got some feedback over on Twitter. The Hammer Strikes, aka Gene Gene the Podcasting Machine himself says, having filmed a Star Trek fan film involving blue screen, see Fan Film Fridays Episode 3, I can tell you Derek is right on. It's really tough to get the lighting right, and when you do, it's not comfortable to be under for long periods. These guys did a great job. Man, was that really all the way back in Episode 3, Gene? Gosh. But yeah, Gene's right, and uh, definitely check out uh, Episode 3 where you can uh, hear Gene talking about all those fun little uh, Star Trek episodes. Uh, Chris at BTO and Bat Books says, Great show! That's short and sweet, but I appreciate it. Chris Tato says, Thanks for finding my fog machine! Oh, and fun episode. Yeah, yeah, Pat, I know. 
You took it. You had like three weekends worth of DJing and all. Yeah, I can hear the ice ice baby through the floors. Trust me. Kathy Bright says, Batman and Star Trek. I'm in. Well, Kathy, I'm glad you appreciated it. Hope you had fun watching. And it seems that will do it, folks. That is all the feedback. I want to thank John and Maggie one more time for swinging by. And I want to also thank all the Crusaders Club members out there. It's you folks that keep this network running. We really appreciate it. And how can you be a, a Crusaders Club member? Well, you know, for as little as $1 a month and not being any sort of Jason Albrick personality out there, you too can join the Patreon over at patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. Trust me, it is well worth it. And uh, rumor is, if they don't get enough money each month, uh, the security might lapse and I can leave. So maybe you should... No, 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 no. You, you should definitely be a Crusaders Club member. It's worth it more in the long run. I will suffer for your enjoyment because it's worth it. So anyway, that seems to wrap it up. So do please stick around and join me next time for another Fan Film Friday. Today you can take your telephone, your 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 cell phone, and you can make a movie on that. And if it's a really cool movie that's funny and it's dramatic or whatever, you can post it on YouTube. If you want to make films and you want to tell stories, you can do it. Obsessed with film, and you love to tell stories, and you love working in that medium. Uh, then uh, that will give you the strength to be persistent. All right, we best get to Jen. Yep. So y'all have the uh, fun little script up. Fun I, little yes. script. Yeah, the thing that I apparently typed up back in February, and have no idea what's on this. I read it. This will be fun for all. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Jim is the name of the lead singer of a band called The Holograms. She's also the secret identity of a woman named Jerrica. Oh, crap. What's her last name? Benton. Denton, is it? Benton. 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 That's mm-hmm. Jerrica Benton, who God, I should have actually let me. Um, I have a, a note thing that has specifics on this. Can you? Can I go grab it quick? Yeah. Okay. That's what editing is for. Talk amongst yourselves. Okay. I can tell you what Jim's all about, Charlie Brown. <laughs> I was just waiting for John to like pop up and say Jim is truly outrageous. Truly, truly, truly. <laughs> Oh, that's great. You should just ignore all this. He doesn't need the notes. Just go with that. The only thing you need to know about Jim is that it is truly, truly outrageous.
Uh, John coming in from stage right. Mm-hmm. Well, trick is it? Oh. I'm prepared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, outtakes. She's truly outrageous. <clears throat> I'm just getting old and I forget the last names of these things. I'm oh, used to them being like just jokey and It's not brains. like she's referred to as Jerrica Benton in the show. Constantly. As you know, Jerrica Benton. It's amazing how often they manage to say her last name. Oh, well, the then you it's should amazing. be. Yeah, I should. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> yes. Which is funny because it really only comes up when they are talking about Jerrica, not Kimber. Yes, which you um, always have to remember. Oh, that's right. They're sisters because they're all but. Except. All right. You got your yeah. thing now? I got my thing. All right. I still think it's weird on the radio when Casey Kasem comes on, like on a weekend, whatever thing that the radio. And I'm like, he's a ghost. For a while, they they might still do this, but for a while, the places that on one of the stations they were running old Paul Harvey shows, and I'm like, ah, the ghost of Paul Harvey is telling me to go to Walmart still. Good day. I have no idea who Paul Harvey is. Oh, that's too bad. For shame. Okay, we're. How else would you know to buy Citricow? I still don't understand the reference, so. (laughs) I'll explain it. Paul Harvey Uh, will tell you the rest rest of the story. I'll find some for you, and then we'll do a show on it. And he does not look pleased at this idea. Maybe Clinton and I will do a show on Paul Harvey someday. That little boy that no one liked. <laughs> he grew up to be Roy Cohn. <laughs> and now and you know. know the rest of the story. Good day. <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun editing. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yeah, I say okay, yeah, all. back to my point on Christy Marks and the shared universe. I knew I was going somewhere. Uh, this is where I should put in that song from South Park. <laughs> Gotta have a montage. You're the best. It's a great montage, too. I love the Karate Kid. I think of every 80s movie I have seen, the Karate Kid is my favorite. The Karate Kid is my favorite movie of all time. The Karate Kid is on my list of perfect movies. Thank you. Mm-hmm. The, the, oh, easily. Absolutely yeah. is. You know, logic aside. So you don't need logic for a perfect movie. That's true. You're watching a movie. 